Black cape, dress like a professional. Evil hand waving and he's leaving a trace. Filling yeah, yeah. So, uh, fuck it. Uh, what's up, man? Who are you? I'm Quackerman. Who are you? Um, I'm Otto, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. Did you notice the bass you just dropped in your voice when you said your name? Like, and I'm Otto. <laughs> Did you hear me? Because I know the ladies are listening as well, and maybe some of the men. You know what I mean? Hey. Well, I mean, you know, it's all hey. good. It's all appreciation, right? It's all appreciation. <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> how you doing, man? I'm okay. How are you doing? I can't complain. I can't complain. Uh, doing the thing. Um, yes, new administration, which is good. So. Um, Hopefully, hopefully there's some hope. That, that and, you know, the dodging of the Rona. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know when people are going to hear this. Well, they're, they're going to hear it soon compared right. to when we're recording it. But yeah. if you have an opportunity to get a vaccine, get a vaccine. Get a vaccine. And uh, yeah, get a vaccine. And wear a damn mask. <laughs> mask. Stay the fuck away and yeah. stop going to parties. There was a, um, there was a rave a couple of days ago in Brooklyn that got broken up. And I'm like, first of all, people still do raves. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? So yeah, none of that actually makes sense to me. So don't do any of that stuff. But we've got some good stuff here, man. Yes, uh, we do. Yes, we do. That um, I can't wait for you to meet because I think this person is one of the coolest people that I kind of know. And um, I think this is going to be a pretty interesting one because it's... Um, well, when is it not interesting? That's all I'm so, saying. But that's that's what I'm saying. I don't even know, but I'm like, yes, we do. Because it's always interesting. That's it. That's it. So you want to dig in? Let's do it. All right, bro. Let's do it. Cool. Cool. I thought I'd found the man of my dreams. Now it seems. This is how the story ends. And by the way, this is Kwaku Kwaku. Yes, yes. And now that I've said your name, who are you again? With the glasses? Okay, I was like, you said both of them. Yes, I don't know who I am. Uh, My name is Kwaku, and who are you? I'm Atu, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. Yes. Yes. And since we've already made the introductions, I just say we are um, sort of, I, this is really special for me and I will I will get to it in a second, but I just want to introduce my Twitter friend because I've never seen her in actual life. She's a, she's an what apparition. Oh, I've given gotcha. you a hint. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> shut up, shut up, okay. shut up. All right. You're about to cheat, aren't you? No, 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 but you just said it. I know. I'm not I, cheating. I, if you, yeah, yeah. If you're you're about to cheat in the game, bro. How you're am I cheating if you I, say that? I don't trust you anymore, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic has ruined our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to introduce my uh, incredible friend um, on Twitter, because I don't know her in real life, um, my friend Tess Rafferty. What's up, Tess? Hey, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. I, I feel like, you know, back in quarantine, before quarantine, we used to have like office husbands and wives. And uh-huh. now I feel like now you're my Twitter husband or something. <laughs> Sweet. That, yeah, yeah. I interact with you more on Twitter than I do with my actual husband. Um, <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. But, which is fine because he and I haven't left the house in 10 months. So, <laughs> so you're like, he's like, do your <laughs> thing, girl. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Basically, if one of us has a good one, we'll be like, hey, did you see that thing? And the other one's like, no. No. (laughs) That's awesome. So anyway, for the people who might be joining us for the first time on Radio Zamunda, just to give you like a skinny on how this whole thing works, is that 
Kwaku and I's relationship has always been him or I setting him up with like what we call the dope shit. Like he'll be like, yo, did you hear this new album? And I'll be like, oh no, let me check it out. And then we'll talk about it. Or, oh dude, did you check out this new TV series? I think it's great. And we're always turning each other on to these uh, great things that the other person doesn't know. And so one time his friend said, hey, why don't you guys do a podcast? And we're like, oh yeah, let's do a podcast about like music and stuff like that. And then Kwaku elevated it one more step and he said, dude, why don't we bring cool people that one of us doesn't know on and we introduce that person to the other one as our dope shit. And I was like, dude, yeah. So in this episode of the dope shit, Tess Rafferty is my dope shit. And as we start off, Kwaku has three guesses to guess what Tess does with her life. And I'm going to start off right now with your first guess, Kwaku. What is that? So my first guess, yes. um, Tessa's name, I saw your name and it looked so familiar. And I'm like, do I know, like, are we friends? Mm. And then like, Atu is like sneaking this in because Atu would do that. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, oh, or is it, or is it like Atu bringing in one of his celebrity friends? Because I know your name. It's like, I've read it somewhere. I know your name. I know you, even though I don't know you. That that doesn't sound like a guess to me, bro. Like that yeah. sounds like you are. I'm, that sounds like okay. cheating. You're trying to. You, you know what I mean. You're. you're For the is, record, okay. Because Tess has heard this show before. Uh huh. Out of the two of us, you're the one who cheats. I feel like you're <laughs> leading the witness. I feel like this is like. I, I think that not a quarter three of guesses. Long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Right. I still haven't heard a guess yet. So guess one. Yes. Guess one. Okay. Um. Tess is, I think you're involved somehow, and he's going to say I'm cheating, but somehow uh -huh. with like comic books, like I'm looking behind you, I see some things happening, I see like a little cool oh. picture, you know, uh, Leslie Jones would give your background a really great rating. Mm -hmm. here. Um, <laughs> I set this up just for Zooms, actually, it didn't used to look like this. <laughs> I obviously set nothing up behind me for Zooms, and it always looks like this. <laughs> um, so, my first guess is that you do something in like the comic book realm in some way or form. Um, uh, no, I mean, I, I used to date, well, I guess I still technically do, uh, men who are really into comic books. So I guess I do, I, you know, do sort of do an outreach between women and the guys <laughs> in that world. <laughs> and I say that like women haven't been into comic books for decades now, but, uh, but no, I don't, do not work in the world of comic books. Scott, I, but I do think <clears throat> that probably outreach between, uh, women and men who are into comic books is a useful service. Hilarious. And so I thank you for your service. I'm in the Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so then let's pivot away from comic books. Okay. Um, because I, I'm really basing this. I know that I know your name from Twitter because I feel like you were talking about this earlier, but prior to that, I feel like Otto's either retweeting stuff that you've tweeted or or some this is where I know your name from. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to heart, I'm trying to zone in on Otto's interests. Got it. Um and so I'm thinking maybe there's something within the political realm um, that you might, uh, that might be sort of like your, your field of work and interest. Um, I, what I do, I sometimes do in the political realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's not my, it, I would say the field of politics is not my primary occupation, but sometimes what I do does bleed into the field of politics. 
<laughs> I feel like you might even get a buzzer at some point out there because you're enjoying this way too much. <laughs> Guess number three. Um, and for the audience, I just want to point out that this doesn't sound like someone who's cheating, but someone who's engaging <laughs> and, and trying to ascertain what our guest does. Sounds Unlike like a stall. Hunter, who, Sounds it, like it a stall. One, it's 100% a stall. Got it. It's a classic mm-hmm. stall. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that. You're like Mitch McConnell. It, it really, you sound like the sorting hat. which house to put someone in 100% 100% yes um all right Tess and I'm not because I can't I'm not looking you see my hands I'm not looking at my phone or anything like that um Tess are you um a journalist um, subset of what I do, can I, can, since he's done three guesses, can now I? Now you can go yeah. into it, yes. I, I am a writer, and um, okay. sometimes I do write for Dame. I, I'm primarily a television writer, uh, but sometimes I do write for Dame and Ms. Magazine as well. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely, you, 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 were, you were in the right forest, if not under the right tree. Yes. Or maybe, so, or no, you were in, you were near, I don't know, never mind that metaphor. <laughs> I'm a writer who can't make a metaphor, apparently. <laughs> Right. I was going to say that once again, in the trenches. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that so, is, ooh, so many questions. Yeah. So let me tell you how I know Tess, because I just, um, I just went back to how I met Tess on the internet. And let's go back to that halcyon time, 2016. And we're all biting our fingernails and we're all like, there's no fucking way that this fucking asshole is going to be the president of the United States. Lo and behold, we get to November. This is back in the day where I still was on Facebook and cared about Facebook. And somebody (laughs) tweeted me a video called um, November 2016, The Aftermath. And it's black and white. And there's this woman sitting there behind a music stand with like a speech on it. And I and I'm 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 legit getting a little emotional thinking about this because I'm saying this with the actual aftermath of what happened. We've we are a week out of a fucking insurrection in the Capitol. There's 270 some odd thousand people dead. Most of those people wouldn't have to be dead, right? And I I click this video and this woman proceeds to read. Trump voters for fucking filth, for filth. It's like eight to nine minutes of her, not even like emotional, just like looking in the camera and just saying everything I've always wanted to say, but more eloquently and fucking hilarious. But like- there's no there was no like um let's let's like uh was it the palm leaf or the palm whatever frond no it was like (laughs) y'all did us fucking dirty let me tell you why and the thing that's giving me chills now it there was not one lie in it everything she said four years ago happened yeah my favorite my yeah. I wrote it down. I, I have to write, I have to say this one thing down because it's about Hillary. Um, it's, let me just, I looked at it. It said, 
you took the most qualified candidate we've had in decades, a woman, and belittled her every mistake and misstep while taking the least qualified candidate we've ever had, a man, and ignored his every, uh, ignore every mistake he ever made. That's just one of the, the fucking jewels that this person dropped. And I was like, who is this Tess Rafferty woman? Because I've never heard of her. And then I found her on it, uh, Twitter. And I think that since I've been on Twitter, since I've known you, all I do is just, my job is to retweet anything you say. <laughs> I, think, I feel like there's like a relay race going on where we <laughs> like- Yeah. You know, yeah. We do the handoff, we tag each other's, you know. 100%, 100%. And then the other thing I will say, Kwaku, I think you're not, are you muted again? Can you not hear me? Oh, now I can hear you, okay. Yeah. I, I saw you I saw you gesticulating and then there was no sound coming out. But anyway. Yeah, I'm just saying, this is how I know her name. Like, I, That's how you know her name. I read the name and I'm like, I've seen this name thousands of times. Sharp hilarious and and witty and just absolutely razor it's it's <laughs> it's amazing so then the other side right and then i'll, I'll let you because i'm i'm talking for you and that's no, not that's good, okay. right <laughs> but the other thing so like over the years i've been like tess is awesome and you know every once in a while we trade some kind of tweet and all that stuff and then just maybe a month ago tess wrote a book that was released called Under the Tuscan Gun, I'm showing right now. Yay! And I got it because I was like, well, this lady's an amazing writer and the, the shit she tweets is fucking brilliant. So like her book must be awesome. And let me tell you, we'll get into it later, but let me tell you this book, uh, I take text, uh, tech sabbats on Sundays these days so I can just do something else besides look at Twitter and, and doom scroll. I read this book dead ass in 10 hours. Oh my God. To cover just what I started reading it and couldn't put it down. It's hilarious and just amazing. It's murder she wrote meets like, uh, it's like, yeah, it's like an Agatha Christie novel meets meets like Nora Ephron. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's so funny and sharp. What's is that? This, is this fiction based? It's fiction. It's a murder mystery. Okay. Um, and that's all I want to tell you because Tess, what you don't know about Kwaku is like. Here we go. Here we go. go everybody hates spoilers, but like you can't even tell Kwaku the title of something because he's like, "Well, that ruins it." I, it's, <laughs> it's the Tuscan Gun. Now I know, and I'm like, now no, I, no. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I get the same way sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you <laughs> oh. go. Only because, like, I, I'm one of those few people who sat down at the beginning of The Sixth Sense and, <laughs> like, turned to my husband, like, three minutes in, was like, well, he's dead, right? <laughs> like, no, you did it, Really? I, I did, what? but it's only because I'm so fucked up. <laughs> I spend my life thinking, what if I really died and I haven't realized it yet? Like, what if this is the afterlife is just me thinking I'm living the rest of my life. But, you know, I, I mean, this is where my, you know, this is why I write is to stop the voices like in my head from telling me things <laughs> like this. That's what I was going to say. All <laughs> so I anyway. do not, the origin of my uh, anxiety around spoilers also comes in the sixth sense. Really? I was going to see the movie and I worked with this woman and she's like, yeah, I was really surprised. The whole movie, I'm like, what is she surprised by? 
is it Bruce Willis? And so I totally oh, missed that that he yeah. said, and it pissed me off. So I'm like, I don't even know anything. Wow. I want the story to unfold for me. Right. You know what's funny about that? Um, I've been I make fun of you about this the whole time. But what was time. that movie? You make fun of me all the time about. <laughs> yeah. What, what was that movie with? Oh God, I'm not gonna. It was a movie about a trans woman who was dating Gabrielle Byrne. He was like a really beautiful- The Crying Game. The Crying Game. Stephen uh, Ray, right? Yes, Stephen Ray, that was it, yeah. And I didn't see that movie when it came out and everybody's like, yo, you gotta see The Crying Game. It's crazy, it's crazy, right? And I watched, there's an episode uh, of The Simpsons that I randomly watched with friends where they give it away. They're like, the chick in the crying game is a man. And I was like, no. So then I went to see it with my college friends, knowing full well what was going to happen, but they didn't know. So I got to try to enjoy their surprise by it. But I was sitting there like, I already knew. And just sat there jealous because they were like, no way. It's a, oh, it's a guy. You know what I mean? But anyway, so sorry. Funny story. Yeah, no, yes. it's spoilers suck. Um, yes, they do. I, God, I, I used to, back when Homeland was on mm-hmm. and it was, um, I mean, am I, we've all either don't care or whatever, if I tell you about like, <laughs> and who was it? Uh, Damien the redhead. I can't remember his oh, last name. Damien Lewis? Is Damien Lewis. Right. Yes, okay. And his character, it was the night his character died. Uh-huh. And, and so I used to work with a guy and I, I didn't even like him, which makes me even matter. Um, <laughs> so I get on Twitter for like that half a second before I'm never, never get on two screens at once, like right before I'm about to watch the thing. Mm-hmm. And because I work with him, I'm following him on Twitter. And at the top of my feed is him saying something like, oh, thank you all for your concern over my demise writer. Cause he looked just oh. like Damian Lewis. Yeah. And I was like, God damn it. And I, again, I don't even like this guy. I, I'm only <laughs> following him to be polite because we work together. <laughs> yeah. I immediately hit unfollow and was just like, well, I know what's going to happen tonight. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. yeah, don't get on Twitter before you want to watch anything. Yeah, yeah. I just did that with The Mandalorian and I'm not giving anything away. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so we're here for you, Kwaku. We yes. support what you're doing. We won't tell you anything about the book. Yes. I'm excited to read it. I'm yeah. very, very excited to read it. All right, so I, yes. you are a writer. You are someone who, um, it feels like you aren't going to accept this title because you're probably, um, well, way, way more talented than this, but there's an element of a social media influencer within you. Um, I would love to hear how all of this started. Like that's part of this thing as well, like these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, well, do you want to hear about what, what led to the video or do you want to hear more about the writing? Cause I can talk about either and in either order, actually. We kind of want you to go way back to like oh. what started Tess in the first place besides, you know, have it being born, but like we like the origin story. So like what, got you what before the video before the book i want to know or we both want to know like what got tess to where she is now oh well oh okay um well this is a really so this i don't want i don't want i was about to say this is really interesting i don't know (laughs) if it's interesting or not it's my life it is what it is um i so i for whatever reason ever since i was a kid always wanted to be an actor like i that was like when i was a kid that's what i really wanted to do um 
And um, and then conversely, there was this other side of things where I I really like to imagine stories um, just in my head all the time. Um, and, and, you know, this is an origin story I'm sure you'll appreciate. I grew up Catholic. I, for the first part of my life, I went to, we had to go to church every week and I fucking hated it. <laughs> so, so I would sit there trying to make an hour go by and I would just like make up stories in my head. And sometimes I'd return to them. Sometimes they'd be new stories. So I think I always had a certain imagination outside of wanting to be an actor that lent itself to wanting to write. Um, and then the the kind of like third little component of that um, that I think is really telling about like where I am now is that um, when I was growing up, I grew up in Delaware, mm -hmm. home of the next president of yes. our United States, Joe Biden. Um, my grandfather um, was for for served two terms as um, the sorry the chairman of the Democratic Party for the state. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and in fact, he was the, he, he was the, he had been the chairman for the Democratic Party for a while, took mm -hmm. a time off and then became the chairman and was subsequently the chairman when Joe Biden got elected for the first time. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he, um, and I wish, you know, these are things like I kind of always knew. I, I wish I had more appreciation for at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he was a lawyer by trade. Um, he was the son of Italian immigrants. So he, you know, he was the smart guy who, um, you know, went, went to college on the GI Bill and, and mm -hmm. really kind of you know, built his practice, um, you know, really, you know, self-made guy for, for um you know, in a lot of ways or in every right. way. And so when I was growing up as a kid, we'd go again, we'd go to mass on Saturday nights, we'd go back to their house, there'd be pizza, like someone would order pizza. And I just remember him and my uncle and whoever else was there yelling about politics. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, my, my uncle became a city councilman in Wilmington for a while. And, you know, they were always, um, there was always arguments and people yelling. Going, <laughs> We were Italian, so people yeah, were yeah. always <laughs> yelling. I was going to say, I have Italian friends, yes. <laughs> yeah. It was like whatever it was about, someone was yelling about it. <laughs> um, so, so I think, and I, I think it, you know, it did affect me in that I was always sort of intrigued about like what was the what was the smart conversation that was being had around mm -hmm. me, or you know, I put smart in quotes, but like you know, it was an people were talking about things I did not, you know, I didn't know about, right? Um, that you know weren't in my life, and so I, I look back on that now and think that I just naturally came by um, being a loudmouth. I mean, really, that's what I tell people sometimes. I'm like, I feel like a professional loudmouth because I'm <laughs> always the person who either doesn't think before I say it or thinks and then says it anyway. <laughs> Hilarious, yeah. <laughs> to my own detriment many yeah. times. <laughs> and, and in those conversations that maybe you were overhearing with your uncle, your grandfather and uncles, was it people on opposite sides of the political spectrum or was it within the same was it democrats fighting amongst themselves or was it how how did that look um well i think it originally started as as democrats fighting amongst themselves right. although you know at this point you know like god only knows you know i mean whatever they they all had their prejudices and things growing yeah. up about various things so who knows where we would have looked at the conversation now right, but right, right. but interestingly um 
I, I don't know where my uh, my uncles ended up. We're, we're not a close family. Got but, it, got it. But um, my parents basically became Reagan Republicans. Uh. And then, and now they're just, whatever. Now they've just drank the Kool-Aid and they're around the bend. But But yeah. I often think too, it was a rebellion against my grandfather oh. in some senses like how do you re- how do you rebel when your father's the chairman of the democratic party for your state well yeah. i guess you start voting for republicans <laughs> wow that's a jump that is yeah, a, that's a real jump it's, it's it's a real jump and um but like one you know one that a lot of families have the story and we have Fox News and Rush Limbaugh to, you know, thank for it. It's, it's, you know, it becomes this thing where I think there was a period of time where, I mean, look, I, I mean, and there was a period of time where it was like, I think it was considered understandable if you like maybe were Democrat and maybe voted for Reagan because yeah. the country was in the toilet and whatever. Um, and we didn't know there was a you know, since we didn't know it was going to end up here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with all of us locked in our houses, hoping <laughs> hoping the militia doesn't come for us. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Fuck's sake. What's but interesting I mean, about that? Yeah. No, I was going to say what's interesting. I remember sort of the birth of my politics. And again, like you said, um, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Do you know what I mean? Even, you know, I was I was also a Reagan baby, but I, I'll never forget my uncle. Um, I think it was like when I was 18 and I was first registering to vote and all that stuff and was filling it out and realizing I didn't know what I was doing. And I put down Republican and my uncle goes, what? And I was like, I, I'm, I'm a Republican. And he goes, why? And I'm like, well, the president is Republican. You're supposed to be whatever the president is. Mm. And to this day, my, my uncle falling on the ground, laughing in hysterics and crying is, I think, why I'm a progressive. Because I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, that was the wrong choice. He was like, no, don't you, we're from Ghana. How do you, like, you were born here. We're from Ghana. How do you not know how this works? And I'm like, okay, I best, I best, like, learn some of this stuff. And then I started to really learn what Reagan was. And I was like, oh, that's, that no bueno, man. So, yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and I think that's the thing, too, is that we don't, um, you know, we were all like babies, kids, you yeah. know, when, yeah. when he was around. And and so, you know, people who are slightly older than me and have a better recollection was like, no, it was bad. Like this yeah. wasn't <laughs> forgivable or excusable. Yeah. Yeah. So then like, how did, how did that progress? Not politically, but like, how did that turn from maybe acting into writing or like, what did you start to do as- So I I went to Emerson College uh, Mm -hmm. to study acting. Mm -hmm. And and I think probably the biggest problem was that I had a certain, um, I had just enough talent for acting. Okay. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I had just enough talent for it to be natural enough in high school that I was like, I'm gonna go do this. And um, which isn't to say like a scope of talent, just like just enough that like, you know, whatever, I came by being able to speak in front of people with a certain amount of inflection naturally. You know, uh, which is when you're in high school is like, and you're the lead. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, um, I could memorize lines really well, that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I got to college and, I really 
was like, I, you know, I kind of simultaneously had something of a feminist awakening when I'm there about, about women's roles and everything. And, um, you know, um, it was in the, you know, early to mid nineties, the first time we were beating up on Hillary Clinton. And, um, and so I just looked around and I was like, I hated the roles for women that were available. Mm -hmm. And, and I've always been like, even if I keep my mouth shut, I, I don't know if it's the dark hair, the dark eyes, whatever. Um, people, I'm this, I radiate this person. Uh-huh. I went to a, I remember going to a commercial audition when I was still in college. And, you know, it was one of those cattle, like they're literally, they take five of you in at once and everyone's yep. got one line for the, for the campaign. Yep. Yep. And my line was yeah. like, yeah, you, you know, you guys know, like, yeah. and I was like, my line was, we're the best. Nobody's beat us yet. Uh-huh. And I've got like, they're like, they wanted all American. I've got like a dumb pink turtleneck on and a headband, <laughs> you know? Remember the nineties? It was just like, <laughs> what were we doing? Uh, yeah. I, it, no, it was, it was so stupid, but like, yeah. and it, I had to like borrow the clothes, but I was like, I'm going to go in and look all American. Yeah. And, um, and the director, when I went and did my, we're the best, no one's going to beat us yet. The director was like, could you do that a little less confrontational? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I, I, I thought that was. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I think that there was a combination of me not getting these parts. Like, I, I remember I, I sat out for an hour. They were casting some movie that they were filming in Boston. And I got there an hour early because they, they were at, like for the cattle call. That yeah. was like show up at 9 a.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. And um, and when I'm so the first one back and the casting director's like, I applaud your, you know, whatever, your assertiveness. Yeah. And then she basically goes, well, you know, the lead's going to be a classic blonde part. Oh, God. And I'm like, I could have slipped in. And and so I I think that there was like, and, and, you know, I'm sure this is incredibly relatable for you. There's Mm -hmm. a small amount of roles for women anyway. Mm -hmm. The the ones that are there, I'm not even considered for, right? right. I, I'm not, you know, in the college productions, I, I don't look like the lead. I don't right. look like the character actress, you know, I, yeah. they don't know what to do with me. And I had to kind of take a step back and be like, all these parts kind of suck anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's always somebody's mother, whore, maid or wife. <laughs> um, and, and so that got me to going, well, fuck it. Like none of these things really speak to my experience as, yeah. a, as a woman, mm-hmm. as a girl, as a girl growing up or anything. So I started writing my own stuff and I started doing stand-up comedy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Oh, I bet you were, I, you I bet you I killed it. Oh my yeah. God. It was, um, it was fun. It, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was <laughs> Also a weird hard fit, right? Because mm-hmm. that's not the most forgiving medium for a woman, yeah. especially in like, you know, the late 90s and mm-hmm. early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and especially when I was I was in college starting. And so I'd go to certain rooms in Boston and they would just look at me like their daughter's friend they didn't like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's the line right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> because like, no 50-year-old lady in Revere, Massachusetts wants, cares that I, I'm going up talking about sex on the weekends. <laughs> you know, like, nobody wants to hear a 20-year-old girl talking about whatever, guys yeah. she's fucking in college. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it wasn't 
you know, it, it wasn't like what we have now where there's so many great people where, you know, especially so many great places and coffee shops and bars right. and cities where young people and people in their twenties and thirties can go and see comics and, yeah. Yeah. you know, or like it was, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'm just thinking that as you said it, I was like, oh, you mean that faint memory of uh, a year and a half ago? <laughs> when we no. got to have shows, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I like that sort of, the, so uh, did you uh, start sort of writing in a way to like write your own parts? Because I did a lot of that too when I was coming up as an actor. I had that same sort of like experience where oh, um, I'm going to be the, the the gang member or I'm going to be the, you know, the drug dealer or whatever. And I, I said the same thing to myself. I was like, well, I'm going to just write some plays and put myself in it until like I'm castable. I, I'll cast myself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Was that the same thing with you in a way or? It, it definitely was. And I produced some plays um, that I had written and also starred in. And I did so, I mean, back when you have so much energy for this shit, yeah, right? Fucking hell. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and back when you would like physically flyer people too. How did we find the time? <laughs> no um, there was no internet. There was yeah. nothing else to do. It's just sort of yeah. like that time suck was, yeah. wasn't there. Oh it was God. no, it was it was like you were out hoofing it, trying to get people to come out to your shows, and and I, you know, I I did sketch comedy, I did stand up, um, I you know I moved out to L.A. where I would still write things like screenplays or or you know pilots for shows that never got made, and still you know, and for a long time still very much wanted to act in them, mm -hmm. um, and you know it's. It's so funny because I missed the hyphenate thing. Like, it, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. like, I was in the like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to write or you want to act? And then yeah. like, you know, four years later, two years later, Seth Rogen and James Franco are writing and acting. And yeah. everyone's like, they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. I was told I couldn't do that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I I so and Otto normally make well. This is another thing that Otto likes to make fun of. Every once in a while, I'll come, I'll, I'll ask this question, and he'll be like, "Well, that's just like really weird and large, and you know, he enjoys it." I've got a couple of those for you already. Okay, cool. But the first question I have for you is: um, We've had a lot of writers, you know, come and you know hang with us and do like similar conversations, and then you know, getting to know Otto with what he does professionally. Um, they've all like there's been this general consensus that if you're a writer you're really actually um you're you're running the show for lack of you know a better term but you're really pulling the strings you're creating the scenario you have the most um you have the most artistic input into a production mm -hmm. um and so when you're talking about acting versus writing and i've you know i've known you now for a good 10 to 12 minutes <laughs> you feel like someone who would want more creative input into the process but it's interesting that you have this skill set and you know you're talking about your progression um but you were really leaning towards the acting can you talk about like that dynamic of like wanting to be the actor but still having these other skill sets that could allow you to create a world and not just be an actor, no offense, Otto, because I know that there's a lot more involved than quote unquote, just acting, you know, but it, it feels like there's this interesting tension there between what you are capable of and what you were, what you were sort of wanting at a certain point in your career. Yeah. I mean, I think, 
I, you know, I, like, I, I think it was that I didn't fit a box, you know? And so I'm like, well, I think, you know, you know, the, the good part of your brain, right. Not the part that tells you you're a failure every day. Um, <laughs> she lives there too. But the good part was like, well, I just have to show you what I'm capable of. Like, mm-hmm. I know I'm capable of great things. And, um, and so, you know, there, there was that and, and different productions and ideas were more um, successful than others. You know, there was, I mean, there was certain things, you know, stand-up was great because you could get up on stage whenever you wanted. Right. Um, really, if you, you know, if you were just like, I just want to go to an open mic. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and there's people who are doing it now, right. Who are creating their own open mics online and just yeah. going, you know what, I, it's just about, I just want to get up and do it for the love of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um Stand up was also, you know, but you know, at some at some point you come to a barrier in every side of these things, mm-hmm. and and stand up had you know plenty of barriers, especially for a woman at this period yeah. of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as as did writing. Um, you know, I. You know, um, I'm paraphrasing someone who said something about like, you know, it was a hard pass from the industry on his acting career or something. (laughs) Um, You know, at at some point, it seemed like I was going to do better um, pursuing writing. And I was certainly going to be able to support myself better pursuing writing. You know, it was, again, there's so many, you know, barriers that were involved in in you know who gets who gets you know in, in stand-up comedy it's like yeah. who gets into that festival who gets right. management who pushes them for that festival right. who gets to go to that festival and get seen by all these people and gets a development deal out of it or gets yeah. on the radar of casting agents yep. and and those were a lot of things that weren't you know didn't seem um just weren't you know weren't the dice weren't like rolling out in my favor on yeah. And, um, and so I was like, you know, kind of looking more towards being a writer and, and, and at the time too, when it was literally like, you know, we, oh, who's the woman in the room type of a thing, you know, I, I got my first gig in 2005, which is only, you know, 16 years ago now, but it was very much like, oh, we already have our woman. Like that's Uh, what you heard. uh Um, So you were going for one spot um, on on a staff, you know, most of the time, especially in comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And and how did you um, discover that you could write? Because I remember when I was coming up as an actor in a, a, Radio Zamunda guest of ours, uh, Joshua James, who's a screenwriter and who was a playwriter back in the day. He was my, he's still a close friend of mine. And when I was acting, I did one of his shows and then to get into his next show, which was like a monologue show, really small story, but you'll see what I'm getting at. He was like, hey, I don't have any parts for you, but like, hey man, I've got this one monologue. If you fill in the middle part of it, um, I'll let you, do that monologue. And I was like, I've never really written before. I've never done this before, but like the subject matter really sort of like spoke to me. And I remember just sitting down and he had literally the first line of the monologue and the last line of the monologue. And I went, oh, and I just started typing. And then I looked at it and I was like, I think this is good. And then I sent it back to him and he's like, you motherfucker, like you can write. <laughs> and I was like, I can? And he was like, yeah. And then the next thing we started, we do play festivals together and I started writing. And what you said sort of at the beginning of our conversation was like, you hear voices in your head. 
Um, And I feel it's like the same thing when I have written, which is now a long, long time ago, but it used to be that I would, there would be a conversation in my head and I'd be racing to keep up with it with my, on my uh, word processor back in the day. And, (laughs) you know, and then I'd have to flesh out what those usually two voices were talking about. What is your experience like with writing? Is it like that? Yes, it's very much like, um, you know, hearing things, you know, hearing things in your head and especially the, especially the dialogue. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that, you know, this is, I have have like three things to say about this. I'm like so excited. I don't know where to go first. (laughs) Um, So I think there's an interesting thing about actors who write, writers who act, actors, writers, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that I think feeds off of each other, right? which is um, because I'd been so interested in acting for so long, I, I think dialogue immediately came naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Like that was the, that was the thing I could nail right off the top, or maybe I was a good actor for as long as I was, you know, the, the good enough, whatever, because I knew how the written word should be said, uh-huh. you know, like, is it the writer in you, the actor in you? Is it just like a third thing? Um, it's just a skill set you have that can go either in either direction. Right. Um, but but that was 100% when I started writing before I understood anything about structure and all that stuff. It was, yeah. I knew dialogue. Yeah. And, and I knew how to write for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew my own voice, which was why stand up worked and mm-hmm. you know why all these characters, you know, you always have the you character in it. Right, right. Um, no matter, you know, and then you change and whatever. Um, I also think, you know, whatever, because it's pandemic season, um, we have been recently been rewatching MASH. Oh um, yeah. And yeah, and it's it, it's MASH was like the background of my life, right? Because they would the, they would play MASH four hours a night between yeah. like <laughs> five and seven or something it was like every local channel had mash on Uh and it was just joke and joke and joke and and my what i love about comedy i i don't like oh and then everyone shits in the street like that's right like like, (laughs) it's just not my thing um but i love those layered that layered dialogue where people in the scene are just throwing off one-liners and you know, and and so that's like so much in my. I'm like watching it, going, "This is my DNA as a writer mm-hmm. is is have is having that playing on the background as a kid." Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I so there's that I think too that like we it becomes part of us and and definitely when I started writing dialogue, I'm like, "This is this is mash." It's it's Nora Ephron, right? It's seen yeah. when Harry met Sally seventeen yeah. times. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And so. You know, the, and then the third thing is not to skip ahead, but like when you talked about, you talked, you opened this talking about aftermath, the video, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and and with everything, I think that that I really love. Um, so, you know, 2016, um, you know, election night. Yep. I've had a 101 degree fever for two days. Damn. Um, yeah, and I don't run fevers. Like I, mm-hmm. my body temperature right now is probably ninety six degrees. So, <laughs> so 
I, and I was having this party. I was yeah. having, I had, I had been like, you know, really into campaigning for Hillary Clinton. I had this mm-hmm. whole group of people locally that we were working together. We threw an election night party. I wake up that morning to go vote. And I'm like, um, I kid myself into thinking my fever is breaking. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 60 people come to my house she starts to lose or oh, quote no. unquote lose or whatever. The grift starts to happen. And I'm like, I have 60 people in my house. I have a fever. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. I got to get people out of here. And I, in a sense, I consider myself lucky because I got, I slept the whole next day. Like yeah. all right. that grieving that people did in real time, I got to kind of really avoid it. Yeah. So come Thursday, like, and I also thought like, maybe, maybe if I go to sleep when I wake up, she'll be present yeah <laughs> like everybody will be able, <laughs> yeah it'll yeah. be like moonlight when moonlight won the uh academy award remember that it was like uh, uh oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what i hoped <laughs> anyway sorry right. Kept, and right no no and there's precedent for it right mm-hmm. like oh maybe they'll actually count the votes in yeah. detroit by the time <laughs> i <win>. <laughs> <laughs> still haven't um yeah. okay <laughs> um so so like I I it really was like I think in the background of my head the the anger it was just on repeat of all these things I was thinking you know like all the line you talked about everything else and so Mm -hmm. I would just jot them down and eventually I just started that's how I wrote the piece yeah again just to uh, Kwaku I'm sure you saw it four years ago because I I retweeted it like a, a shit ton of times and then like comments after the Facebook post or whatever. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's such an, it, it was cool watching you read it and, and, and perform it in a way. I guess I, it's hard to call it a performance. It's almost like, it looks like the election happened. The results came in, he won and you were like, fuck it, I'm going to write this thing. And you were just sort of like sitting at your typewriter or whatever, wrote it out, and then whoever was in the room, turn on the fucking camera, and then you just went. And it's so raw and so simple and so just deliciously written and spoken it's 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 crazy i like i get chills i'm you know you're here so i'm supposed to like gas you up but really like i get <laughs> chills when i think about it it was nice to see it after 4 years of having not seen it and go oh my god i remember almost where i was when i like clicked on this and was like what is this video who's this lady holy shit right and i think it's it 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 goes into that this this sort of what I feel like artists are so good at. Um, it's really being able to sort of read the moment and really being able to, how whatever your medium is as an artist, whether you're painting something, you're writing something, you're singing it, like that moment is only accessible by an artist and is only explainable and demonstrable by an artist because we artists know how to, we know emotions, we study emotions, whatever the medium is, it's an emotional sort of story. And just the way you just simply broke it down, it was just like, (laughs) I mean, like I watched it a couple of times. I'm like, yo, this lady is fucking filthy. And it was just awesome. So I, I really like, if you're listening right now, you know, put us on pause and then go watch the video. It's eight 
minutes, nine minutes, and then come back and keep listening because it's so good and still so goddamn relevant right now. Anyway, more, that's, that's more, relevant. Yeah, more yeah. relevant because you're like, oh shit, she was right. Damn. What now, it, it means, oh, sorry, I was gonna say it means a lot to me that you're saying that. And, yeah. and you've seen the whole thing. Occupied Democrats edited down like a three minute thing that went on their thing that got ended up with like 50 million hits um, that, um, that, that, uh, that's out there too. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm impressed. Like you've, uh, you've seen the whole thing. Oh, the deep cut. Like, yeah, I I want the director's cut. Like the whole, whole, like you're something like you voted for the KKK. You voted for the same guy that the KKK vote. Like you, and the way, again, I'm, I'm, getting into right nerdy writing stuff but like the way you made that out of into a triplet like it's kkk so like you repeat it three times with a different moment each time and it's like bam 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 it's just it is just an evisceration so and then it makes me think if you're yeah if you're a trump voter and you sat and watched that there must be some part of you that's like oh damn she's right you know what i mean there must be some part oh kwaku i think we actually talked about this video i know we did i know we did i'm just remembering it now because we had you know we uh sorry tess we do this um every once in a while we do like what we call radio zamunda shenanigans and that's (laughs) (laughs) that's just kwaku and i like something happens in the moment and then we're like we should just do a little podcast about that and i'm sure we talked about this video like four years ago Yes, like, what the fuck is going on? Why did we vote for Trump? Why did, you know, America vote for Trump kind of thing? So I'm just... It was part of our grieving process. Yeah, yeah. That is, I I think that's the part of it that's so instrumental. Yeah. That's what makes this so great. Um, The idea, and and I said it like, I said it as you said it, like the triplet piece, there's a musicality to it. Yeah. And so the way people celebrate Muhammad Ali and the poetry Mm. of what he would do as a Mm. boxer and... The combination of of the poem, literally the poems he would write, mm-hmm. and then how he would be in the ring, how he would move, yeah. how he would attack his opponents, yeah. and then back up, how he would make it um, uh, orchestrated a show. There, there was, there's just the only way, the only word I can think of to describe it is the musicality yeah. to the beatdown, yeah. and that's <laughs> that's what that's what your piece yeah. is. Oh, now I was gonna yeah. say what well, that is. Um, well, it, it, I mean, it means a lot to know that it registered, that it, sorry, that it resonated with you guys mm-hmm. um, a lot because, you, you know, you guys can express yourselves, right? Like, like there's, you know, like you, it's like what I, what I found doing it and something that, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm talking like two different ideas here. Yeah. One of the interesting things about it to me was as I was getting emails from people online and stuff. Mm-hmm across the country or you know in other parts of the world mm-hmm. was the people who said like I had all these things in my head and I couldn't put it into words. Exactly. And <laughs> we take it for granted and 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 Otto you touched on this just a moment ago like we are artists, right? We we can express ourselves. We we whatever it is, like I take it for granted because everyone I know is a creative of some type, mm-hmm. whether they're a director or an artist or you mm-hmm. know, producer or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it was a real like wake-up call to me that no, there are there are people who literally don't know how to do how to how to process any of this. Mm-hmm. In a like let you know, in, in any way, like mm-hmm. to, to themselves, they can't put it into words. Yeah. 
that's yeah oh sorry you were oh yeah no no it's just that that was the point and and so like what I, what i was saying is like it means a lot that it resonates with you because you guys are creative people right yeah. so like that's that's like an incredible compliment um and you know you know you know you can express yourselves you know how to process these things and the people who um you know didn't it was, yeah it was i was like wow i didn't even yeah. totally yeah perspective i, guess, yeah. I hadn't considered yeah, I guess I I take that for granted too, and 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 that's a really great way to put it because I think that's one of the big problems is, and I guess <clears throat> in human society, and Quaco hears me say this all the time. You know, it's like it is part and parcel to humanity to be an artist because artists are storytellers, and that's like whatever happened evolutionarily speaking. It's like we need stories to explain ourselves to each other and without and the artist is the one who does it if you've ever met a child who doesn't want to hear a story or tell a story then please call me because i don't think that exists right i'll be yeah. like there's something wrong with that child right the, the child doesn't want you to read him a story like it's weird right it's like it's it's in our dna and what i love about what you said and you said it way more eloquently than me is that like there are people who actually need us because they don't know how to do the same thing right it's one thing to be unclear and just sort of like screaming at the at the the void Right. And you're, you're not going to be understood. You're not going to be felt. But like somebody can turn that into a song. Right. Turn that mm -hmm. into a story. Turn that into a tell whatever it is. And it touches people in a way. And that's what exactly what happened to me as a fellow artist. I was like, this lady is that's no joke. Right. Like, holy shit. You know, and I, I love that. And I love that you and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but like I love that you can be this political polemicist, right? But at the same time, be really fucking funny and really <laughs> like, sort of like, like, like we just mentioned, Nora Ephron-y, just like, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna write a murder mystery in the, in, in like, in exactly the form of murder mysteries that we've all enjoyed. Like, so I'm I'm gonna bring up maybe maybe I'm jumping ahead. I don't know what Kwaku wants to go real quick, but like Listen, we're we're going where it takes us. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just because I just read the book um maybe two weeks ago now, and um I haven't read a murder mystery in a long time. And so it's it was like reintroducing me to the genre. Do you know what I mean? Like the the sort of like we're in a how oh boy. Well, I'm not gonna give anything away because oh it's it's a murder mystery. You want right? to read the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but 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 it's also in the classic form of a murder mystery. There's a house that a lot of people are in. There's a murder or two or none, right? And and then who did it? Is it the butler? Is it the whatever? Do you know what I mean? And all of that and it just keeps you it, it kept me so glued to that book. But the other thing that I love about the book, and I think now that I'm actually speaking to you maybe for the second time in my life in sort of whatever person this is, like right. it's, it's it's lovely to hear your voice and to think about the characters in the book and the, and the vividness in which you can create those characters, put them in situations, and then I can, okay, Kwaku, one spoiler is oh. that the book, it the book takes place in Italy. It's, the book is called Under the Tuscan Dome. 
So if you, I apologize. I'm just telling you. No, Otto's ruining it for you. The book takes place in Italy. That I'm not giving anything away after that, right? How it starts, right? But Italy is one of my favorite places in the world. Um, uh, my my Ghanaian parents used to call me the little Italian because as much as I love Ghanaian food. If you made me some spaghetti and meatballs, I would be like, give me that. Like, I I love Italian food, right? So they would just call me that. And there's a passage, I think I shared this with you over, um, DM'd you. There's a passage, again, I'm not going to give anything away. Um, you, you must be a foodie. You must be somebody who enjoys good wine and stuff like that. She goes through, and Kwaku, you will definitely appreciate this. She goes, there's a passage, maybe like a page where she describes Italian wines and she uh, she tr- describes them with, as if they were rock bands, right? Oh, wow. So, and, and it's as, as somebody like Kwaku is a musician, him and I bonded over music. We met over a show that I was playing a musician. And when you put those, that juxtaposition of like, rock bands and these different wines, wines that I hadn't heard of, it made me hungry, thirsty. I put on the records of those bands as I'm listening. Like, I was like, this is real, right? And and it's been a while. I've been reading a lot of stuff on my, my uh, tech sabbats, but like serious stuff like shit on racism and stuff like that, where I'm just like, you know, class struggle. So this was like this great, book that I could enjoy that I I laughed out loud and what's nice is like I don't really know you so it's not like I'm reading my friend's book and I'm trying to find where I can be like hey Tess this was great when you wrote you know what I mean I'm not trying to remember that I'm actually enjoying it and I'm going holy shit I kind of know this lady you know what I mean like it's great so so I guess the the question because this is supposed to be an interview is what why did you write this book? Like, where did the impetus for this book come from? So, um, well, number one, I love Italy. Um, uh-huh. and, and I, you know, obviously everything's on hold right now, but, um, I, I had, I had been there in college. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know, my husband's a big, like he studied Latin as a kid. He oh. had a reader about a family in Pompeii, you know, oh, wow. so, yeah, so he he's always loved ancient, you know, Roman culture. Mm-hmm. And when we finally kind of gotten to a place where, you know, we were both working, you know, things were kind of stable, I was like, you have to, we have to go to Italy. Mm-hmm. And we were, um, it, like, within a couple of days, he's like, okay. And, like, you know, my husband's very cautious. So uh-huh. it was like getting him to take a trip was a big deal and, yeah, and everything yeah. for a variety of reasons. Right. And within like two days, he's like, okay, the next time we come, here's where we need to go. <laughs> and, and yeah. Like he was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And and it became a real um, like addiction for us. We went yeah. every year for about 11 years again, oh, wow. Wow. quarantine. Yeah. Um, and we would start going to, 
you know, there were some some regions we went to multiple times. We, there's this one island off the coast of uh, like past Capri called Ischia that we went to three times. Mm. Um, we went down to Puglia, which is the heel. We've been to Sicily. Like okay. we did some deep cuts. We've done, you know, different things. Sometimes we just ripped off Anthony Bourdain's episodes wholesale. Yeah. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was, you know, we love food. We love wine. We yeah. eat things there and bring it back. So, so we had a real passion for the place. And then on top of it, I, we posted this photo and um, this black and white picture of the two of us there. Uh-huh. And this friend of mine said, um, he commented, he goes, you guys are one high society murderer away from being Nick and Nora Charles. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I was like, huh, that's really funny. Um, somebody should write that book. And then I was right. like, girl, you should write that book. Oh. <laughs> because I, on the other side of it is, I love murder mysteries. Uh-huh. And in the last like five years of my life, you know, I, I always joke with people that like when we talk about how bad t- 2016 was or whatever, yeah. I'm like, you don't understand. I had a shitty 2015. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like, I, like it was, we were supposed to get a woman president and that was supposed to be like, yeah. whatever. Like, things were supposed to get better. So, yeah. I, I found that when, you know, my, my, my things in my personal life were blowing up, things in my professional life. And I found that one of the best coping mechanisms I've had over the last five years has been murder mysteries because sometimes they're an escape, right? Sometimes they happen in foreign countries, which is great, but they're also about, um, you know, there's, there's also this thing about justice served and and Mm -hmm. you feel protected in a way um, because you know that like, especially with the series where it's like, you know, they've got 30 of them. It's yeah. like, I'm going to read this thing. And at the end of it, they're going to catch the bad guy and he's going to get punished. Yeah. Right. And that's really cathartic, especially right now. Yeah. And and I don't like thrillers because you don't have that guarantee. Yeah. And, and right now there's this whole thing about thrillers, like Girl on the Train, where right mm-hmm. where it's a woman who knows what's going on and no one believes her. Who the right. fuck needs to read that? <laughs> <laughs> like, That's you know? every day, yeah. Right. right. It, it's anxiety producing yeah. at this point. So, so again, like we were talking about like what you absorb in your DNA, <sighs> what you're watching. I've just read so many of these mysteries that I was like, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I loved to write um, yeah. and I was unemployed at the time. And so I was like, I could probably do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that's, that, that's, I mean, I never, I never would have put it that way, but maybe that's what the pleasure, I, I mean, outside of it's just well-written and well-constructed, but maybe the pleasure was, I know I'm reading a standard murder mystery. And just like you said, they're going to catch whoever did it at the end. And there's something comforting. And also it's really funny. And I love all the characters, even the characters who I think might've been the one that did it, right? It's (laughs) it's really, you know, I, I hate to use these, like, I feel like, I'm about to Siskel and Ebert it where it's, it's a romp. It's a, you know, you know what I mean? Like the, those like silly ways that critics like talk about it, but it was such a pleasure to read it. Um, and, you know, anytime we're doing like these, these uh, radios and Munda things and we talk to somebody like you and, and, and me being an artist, I should understand this, but it's like when somebody goes, yeah, I just wrote this book. I'm like, 
yeah, but like, that's hard. Like, you, didn't, <laughs> you just wrote it? Like, you, yeah, I just, you know, sat down. So like, what was, what was like, like the process? Was it, did it take you a long time or was it something that like fell out of you? Well, so, you know, and I want to talk about writing for like in general, because yeah. it took me a long time to find a technique that like was kind of foolproof for just writing in general. Uh -huh. Right. And, and I know every writer struggles with this. Every artist struggles with this. Um, I have a friend of mine who's a college cat. She counsels high school kids. She teaches college, but she also counsels high school kids who are applying for college. Right. And with the pandemic, a lot of them were taking a gap year and they wanted to concentrate on some sort of art creative pursuit. Yeah. And she goes, well, I wanted to do a class on, you know, kind of process and being creative and how to motivate yourself and that, that whole catch all. Mm -hmm. And she goes, but like, they didn't really seem interested. And I'm like, cause they don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know yet that, that they're, they're not just going to get up every day and paint. Right. right. Or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's something, it really is a discipline. And mm. it took me till like, you know, probably sometime in the year before I actually wrote this. So only going back five or six years mm -hmm. where I found a system that worked for me and, and continues throughout this entire pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, and it's incredibly simple. I just like said to myself one day, like, um, okay, you're going to set the timer for an hour because you can do anything for an hour. Right. And if you don't want to come back after an hour, you don't have to. Right. Um, and the goal is like three hours, right? Three hours a day is like all I'm like asking myself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm really close to the end or I have to get something in on a deadline, that can be longer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes like you just like the timer goes off and you just keep going for, yeah. for whatever. But yeah. I find the hour two is a good break for like get up, walk around, check your email. Um, because right. I turn off Wi-Fi and phone while I do it. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's the only way. Yeah. Um, and and to that end. I won't, I refuse to get stuck on like, I should look that up. I should find an authentic name. I should, yeah. I just like type, find name here, whatever, yeah. you know, highlight it, put it in red and keep yeah. going. Yeah. And likewise, if I get stuck, like, oh, they need something in their backstory about like why this person, blah, blah, blah. I literally write that down while I'm typing. Uh, like, I don't let it stop me from continuing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll ask myself questions. I'm like, well, why did she do that? I don't know. Was it this? Was it that? And sometimes I'll come up with the, I'll literally type out the conversation in my brain. Sometimes I come up with uh, the answer. Sometimes I don't, I just come back to it. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm sharing this. I'm like, look, this has really worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. and, and everybody's different and everybody has to find some version that works for them, obviously. But um, I, I think I've done so well psychologically for the last 10 months because mm -hmm. um, this is an incredibly overwhelming thing we're dealing with. Yeah. But because on average, I get my three hours a day to just do this, That's whatever awesome. it is I'm working on. And so, with the book, I was already, I already knew that kind of a schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and I employed a lot of the techniques that I'm telling you about, like, I, I wouldn't get stuck on things, mm -hmm. I would just go back. And sometimes I would, I love happy accidents when you write, I love them so much. Yes. When something just comes out, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. And then it, mm -hmm. it makes this make sense earlier. And then you can kind of like go back and seed, okay, I'm going to seed the idea that this person did that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
I, I just did that. And again, I only, I, everything I write comes, you know, my John Irving, right. He said once yeah. he starts every book by telling his autobiography. And when he starts to lie, he knows he's onto a new novel. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it's why every fucking thing is in, you know, new, new, at a new England boarding school. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. Tess. No, no, no. You go ahead. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm like, now I'm like giving a Ted talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, is great. Which I appreciate. Cause I I'm, writing some, I... I'm stealing some of this stuff. <laughs> Literally, well, one, there's this book uh, called, the, uh, and I'm going to butcher the name. It's Italian, so you can correct me. It's either uh, Medici or Medici Effect. Oh, Medici Effect. Yeah, Medici, or Medici effect. I think. Medici. And in the book, they talk about um, all these artists that were waiting to um, propose ideas to the Medici family so that they would fund it. And they'd be sitting in the cafes and you'd have like the the sculptor talking to the cellist and the sculptor would say, oh, well, when I'm creating something, this is what, like literally what you just said. This is the process that I use when I'm creating something. Mm -hmm. And the cellist would be like, oh, that's good. I want to use that. I'm going to borrow that. And I literally just had that moment because myself, I, I do something similar when I'm writing a song where, and I learned this, I learned this from another friend, another musician when I first started writing songs, I would sit down and I'd be like, all right, cool. I hear this thing in my head, what Otto was talking about, like a conversation, like I hear a song and I have a certain, I have a certain amount of skill on a certain number of instruments where I can recreate parts of it. And then there are happy accidents when I miss or whatever. And I was talking to this one friend of mine who's this great songwriter. And I'm like, man, like, did you hear that? Like, how'd you come up with that? He's like, no, I don't hear anything. I come in with nothing. Mm. I just, I just go wherever it's taking me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's wild. Mm-hmm. I've never, because I'm always trying to reproduce something and I'm always falling short and beating myself up about it. Right. And so I tried his technique and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Think that, just come in, just like, all right, cool. He's like, I start by building the drums and I do that. And then I just go wherever it takes me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I pivot. And then even what you're talking about, like the, the seating of things, or it's like, oh, I had this accident, cool. So I'm going to hint at this earlier on. I'm going to bring in an instrument that just plays this one melody earlier on because I know it's going to come in on the bridge and tie in the outro of the song. So people have that. They have that prior knowledge. I yeah. love that you describe that. And so even this piece where you're talking about like, I'm going to sit down for three hours or even an hour. And if after an hour, I feel like I need to walk away, I'm going to walk away. Mm-hmm. Typically, I don't do it. I'm like, nope, I'm going to muscle through this. And I'm either going to hate this at the end or I'm going to love it. So I'm like, I had my Medici effect with your description right there. Yeah. Like, oh, that oh, makes me bomb. really happy. Yeah, that was bomb ass, man. Holy crap. It's, it's it, it makes me happy, but I'm getting yeah. things off of this too. Like, you know, the the idea of going in with nothing. Like, mm-hmm. it's um, like that. that's, you know, that's an interesting thing to play with because eventually like, like what I found, you know, this like, I guess it was like for the, mo- the better part of a year on and off, I was unemployed was yeah. like, you know, I think like every writer's got a bucket list of like, oh, here's the file of things I want to get to. And then eventually you're like, I was like getting, I was at the bottom of that bucket. Honey, do you have any Coke? Uh, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> I've written everything I've wanted to write. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> that, that leads me to another question because the way Otto's describing this book and the way you talk about it, and you know, there's the the piece of visiting Italy, the piece of mysteries, the gratification. And this is gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a bit of a diatribe. We've been watching Fargo in our house. I feel like we're mm. we're shaking that out as far as like TV shows, right? Because you know, like a gap in production, so it's like, oh well heard about this and i've never watched it 
Yeah. I'm not going to ruin Fargo. Uh, Jess, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen. You've the, already said the, Fargo, so it's ruined because now I know it happens in Fargo, bro. I'm ruining Jeez. it for the Quackers. <laughs> everybody else. <laughs> Jess, have you seen Fargo at all? The TV show? It, this TV show, I have started with the first season and at the time didn't find it sticky. Right. At the time, I hadn't been living in my house for 10 months either. So ah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Go. Good, yeah, good point. There you go. The thing about Fargo that I think um, uh, everybody on this call would enjoy is that it is every season that I've seen, it's a lot of really brilliant women surrounded by frustrating men in power. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a little too close to home in certain ways. <laughs> but um, it was funny because my wife is just like, man. I, it just annoys me. I can't watch this show. Like we plow through it anyway, but it yeah. drives her insane because she's just like, yeah, I, you know, I deal with this at work. I don't, I mean, not that anyway, I don't want to slag anyone she works with, but she's, <laughs> she's experienced this in her world. Right. right. So, yes. But I'm just like, I'm watching. I was like, man, those guys are so dumb. She's like, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> but there is also something comforting about knowing what that procedure is going to be and seeing how a story unfolds, which feels like a comforter, which feels like reading like in a sunbeam or something like that in a comfortable <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is the way Atos described the story. Yeah. And so my, my long way of getting to this question, was it easier or harder for you to be creative within the constraints of the of like a murder mystery you know what i mean where it's like i'm sure some of the other stuff you've written it's been like all right this is just uh which way is up i'm just creating something and and i don't know what it is like the blank the blank canvas like my buddy jeff a really good songwriter and then there's the all right well here's the format i know that these characters are going to fit together this way and i know a lot of creatives that i'm friends with they do like those design constraints and in ways it helps them to be more creative. Which, where do you fall in that spectrum? Well, you know, the the great thing about the book in terms of having no constraints was that it was just me, right? There was nobody I was writing it for. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I hadn't been paid to write it and I was in a TV show, so I could do whatever I wanted to with it. And, um, you know, consciously or inadvertently, like, you know, you know, create, you know, create a new heroine in it, you know, in terms of like, you know, because it is very much my voice. And, right. and I think if there's one, um, I always joke that I'm a lazy writer. <laughs> I've got, I've got so many characters named Nate in so many things I've written on spec. <laughs> there's a cover across from me um, of a magazine that I had a little thing in, but Nathan Fillion was on the cover. <laughs> and it's framed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm Kaiser Soze, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna see that. <laughs> All your books. <laughs> so so I had written it about a very specific vacation. I I had written it as a depart point of departure from a very specific vacation I had taken mm -hmm. with a couple of friends involved, mm -hmm. and so. You know, it's like I go back sometimes and I'm like shameful. I'm like, you know, like every I, their names are barely changed. The fact, <laughs> like all, all, everything is, and and so, but it was it was like it was just for me and it was just something I wanted to do and it was great and open and could be anything I wanted to make it. And um and if anything, the 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 thing I have looking back on it five years now that is a little bit of a regret is like. Like there's a real glaring, I think, lack of just general diversity in it that 
because like I was, you know, that I would do better with now. But at the time I was like, it was me. It was this other, this other couple that was, I was concentrating on and I didn't really think about, I wasn't, because it was so like, I'm not stream of conscious, but just like, here's as if we went on this vacation and instead of having a good time, someone ended up dead, you know, um, go. Um, So, so like, that was like the most, so it was, so to, I guess, back to your question, like there was no constraints, even within having a murder mystery. It was like, this can be anything I want it to be. Like it's nobody's, nobody's in charge. Whereas, you know, you write for TV, you have network execs, you have hosts, you have the head writer and the, you know, the showrunner and everybody else who, um, has something to say about it, you know, standards and practices. Um, but, the cool thing about that just to is that like so when i started writing i was writing plays and then you know and then screenplays or you know spec scripts for for tv shows and i ended up in like late night comedy variety um which I didn't think was going to be my forte at all. That's, you know, mainly joke writing and stuff. And I thought like, oh, I'm good at dialogue and writing characters, but I, you know, I'm not a joke person. And it turned out I was a joke person, which was convenient. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Go to her Twitter feed. Yeah, right. And it's a skill I had. And I think part of that was just, I hadn't really needed to write jokes before, but also I think, you know, being told is, you know, women aren't that funny and things. Um, but the great thing about working in late night, particularly when you're on a daily show mm-hmm. is that there's nothing as precious about writing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, you know, you have to write in someone else's voice. Mm-hmm. And, um, if a joke gets cut, if something gets cut for any reason, and there's numerous reasons why something can get cut on the floor while you're taping, mm-hmm. you just got to You got to write something new. And yeah. so I don't fear writing because it's like, I don't, I'm used to like having to be like, I can write a hard joke quickly for a point, you know, for a specific character or point of view or voice, like on the fly under pressure. Um, And so while there's a lot of constraints to, to, you know, your thing and to your question and writing for TV, um, there's, there's also like a lot of really good things to, to be learned from like skills to hone really. Yeah. And I feel like this is something that if you, let's say 15 years ago, let's say they, they, you got a job in late night TV or you had to, you probably would have struggled. Like, I think with, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, all of us have been practiced in our fields. So like you can throw me on a television show and as writers have done, it's like, okay, we're going to cut that and give you a new monologue. And I'm not a brand new actor. So I'm not like, oh my God, I got, <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. I can like read it and go, all right, I'm just going to give this a go. Let's go. You know what I mean? And and yeah. I think the part about, I, I love talking to different artists and writers, especially people who've had experience and can speak on that is that those skill sets that you build, um, are kind of brilliant because I've seen what you're talking about. I've seen it in music and I've seen it in my field and I've seen it in your field where it's like that um, that hook doesn't work. I've been in music studios with um, really great musicians. That hook doesn't work. Uh, I don't like the key that I'm singing in, whatever. And then it just 
they just switch it up and they're free with it because they've done it for so long. Right. And there's there's such a beauty to, to the art of it. I love the sausage making of whatever art we're talking about. So I can sit, like Kwaku's heard me say this a million times, I can sit and watch musicians set up. I'm like, I don't know what they're doing. I have some, <laughs> you know, idea of music. I play guitar, but I love watching that process. And I love hearing writers like you talk about that process. I, I, I love learning. This is why I do this thing. I love learning how people do things. Yeah. And I'm always yeah. just absolutely gobsmacked that there are so many different ways to do things. And so meeting somebody like you and, and sitting here and having read the book and then speaking to the author who wrote the book and knowing something about writing, but having never wrote a book myself, it's, 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 it's absolutely stunning to be able to speak to somebody like you about <laughs> a book like this. Um, because the other, th the other thing I'll say about Under the Tuscan Gun, um, why I enjoyed it so much is that it's a murder mystery and it's also, it's, it's so well written and it's, it's not written for stupid people in that like, it's not over explained. There's not a lot of exposition. There are even, um, there are even parts that like it's in Italy. So somebody might say something in Italian and it's just written in Italian figure it out, right? It's not you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and so I, I enjoy also art for adults. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, the worst thing when I watch a television show and they feel like they have to explain every single fucking moment and they get these really bad exp expository passages. And it's like, just point the fucking camera and go. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you, you got a camera, like we're not stupid. And that's the other thing. It's and it's yeah. it's an intelligently written a murder mystery that made me fucking laugh out fucking loud a lot of times. <laughs> I'm just so you gotta read this book. You gotta read it anyway. That that's, that's no, that's, I I I really appreciate it because you know I was writing something that you know I would want to read, and you know as it turned out, I think even more now than ever. Mm -hmm. It was something that I was like, I, you know, my, my big thing I wanted to say to people when I, cause I was just, I just got to this point where, you know, my, my agent tried to sell it for a while mm -hmm. as, um, you know, as a book. And we were just getting like weird, like, we don't know what to do with a funny mystery or they don't sell or the algorithm didn't like it. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't, you know, I got a book sitting at home that no one read, no one's read mm -hmm. and you know, we're all, you know, we're all facing a deadly pandemic every day. I was yeah. like, I'm just, I'm tired of people. I'm tired of, I'm tired of waiting for someone to green light me. Yeah. Like that was my thought. Yeah. I was like, just mm. want to get it out there. Yeah. And what I wanted to say to people about it, I think is like, if you need an escape, if you like to read and you need a break from, from everything that's going on on your screen, outside the window, on the TV, like, this is the kind of break I would want because it's a little yeah. bit of travel porn. Yeah. Um, you know, I want the food, food porn, wine porn, um, you know, comedy, murder mystery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things, and it's, and it's why I loved traveling every year. And it was like the most important thing in my life mm -hmm. is because man, when you are standing outside something like the Coliseum, mm -hmm. like, and we're all artists, right? Yeah. So we know all this shit we get wrapped up in in our daily lives, pursuing our career. It's the mm -hmm. only thing we can think of. Mm -hmm. 
and all the, you know, all the things that seemed so important at the time, the, you know, the things you didn't get, the things that went wrong. And you're like standing outside the Coliseum and you're like, man, nothing, nothing matters. Yeah. <laughs> 2,000 years. Yep. 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 Yeah. Not to mention it also, it's feeding your, like that, that other bucket, the thing you're pulling from. Like, even yeah. when you were describing that story based upon the trip, like, what if we did this, but someone died? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, but with the, the dynamics of the people that you're thinking of, that you were with and the, the, the beauty and the power of the surroundings that you're in, because of like, if you're in New York city and you're hanging out with your friends at dinner and you, and you leave and someone dies, it's a different scenario than <laughs> what I'm inferring from this book yeah. that I have not read, Yes, but I'm very excited to read. Well, that said, Okay, guys, because we've we've done we've gone about an hour and a half, and I could talk literally to you, Tess, for another like two hours. But like, um, this book's awesome. I think you're awesome. I am so glad you've come on. Whoever's listening, you need to go and buy <laughs> "Under the Tuscan Gun" by Tess Rafferty. It's I'm I'm holding it up as if people are I watching. Like it's like, <laughs> like the late night show I just I just want to prove that I have the book. L right. Listen. You guys okay, also, I, I feel like I want to do you, I, I love the concept of this. I love yeah. this idea of just introducing each other to people you find cool. Yeah. Um, I would say you're, you're not just cool. I know a lot of cool people. Yeah. <laughs> I, you guys have to meet the guy who designed my cover. Yeah. Um, Tony Perrier mm. um, is the uh, first black screenwriter to ever helm a hundred million dollar action movie. Oh, sure. uh, he wrote a racer. He grew up in Brooklyn in the sixties. Mm -hmm. um, he, he like his parents had like the house that the, the salons were always going on at. Right. Like yeah. early Chisholm was there the way he, he says, a, he calls it a brace of Panthers. Oh, um, a brace I of black it. Panthers were yes. there. Um, he had this really interesting thing. He's had four different careers. He is both a writer and an amazing visual artist yeah. who has a, he has got a graphic novel out. He um, wrote, um, he, he, he designed, there's a very famous 2008 Hillary uh, campaign uh, poster that he did. Yeah. Um, he's got a series of paintings he's working on right now called, um, I think it's called Black Girl Magic, Black Boy Joy, um, that are just amazed. They're just unbelievably looking, unbelievable looking. So he, again, he's a writer, he's a painter, he's worked in graphic design. He, he's, I'm... So he's become like one of these friends who I've become a better friend with during the pandemic. He used to be yeah. a chef. Yeah. Um, and he he designed that cover for me. And um, for which I'll, I'll forever be grateful. But I just feel like you guys need to know him. So I, absolutely. I feel like the, the name sounds familiar, but like for those of you, you get the goddamn book. But for those of you, where do they get the book? Where do I get the book? I don't get the, the book. Yes. Amazon. It is um I, I published through Amazon so you can get the book on Kindle. Um, you can get the book for you can get a hard copy and there is also um a, like a follow-up holiday novella it's about i think 70 pages called buon fatale i gotta get that <laughs> it's um i wanted to do a, i did have enough time to write a whole other book but i wanted to kind of do a little holiday thing for yeah. anyone who needs a quick break away so they yeah. there are, our characters return to rome and solve another murder oh so there is a sequel i didn't oh man like i, I, I want to follow these people. Is say it again like in a, it's not like an entire book sequel but it's almost like a little addendum piece oh. 
like continuation? Yes, it's it's a no, it's a like a novelette, um, a novella. There's a, a little bit of a tradition, especially in Eng- English, like cozy murder mysteries, that they put out these shorter versions that are like holiday, you know, holiday mysteries. Yeah. Um. So again, it was, um, it the book came out in October, and I wanted to do something that was kind of more holiday based, and I was like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do that, right? Because it's there's a precedent for it, and it's a fun little like. So it, it's its own covered um, own book. Tony did the cover for that again, and wow. it's called um, Bon Fatale. Bon Fatale. Oh, bon that's fatale. I um I have something to look forward to because when I when I DM'd you, I was like, all right, girl, there got to be another book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got to get somebody to option this because you know somebody got to do the movie too. Like, I mean, this it's so much fun. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, okay. Can I ask? Yeah. One, I mean, I, and I definitely have like six other questions, but I'm going to ask a really easy one. Cass, mm-hmm. what yeah. are you working on now? If people are, I mean, they're following you on Twitter. They should, if they're not already. But they're going to follow you on Twitter. They're going to get the book. They're going to get the novella. What is something that you're possibly working on that maybe that something that people can look forward to like what creatively are you doing next um well you know it's actually a really good time i'm because you know i'm you know i'm still like right we had all these i had all these pitch projects i was working on in march of 2020 Uh that are still like you know that was like five years ago (laughs) yeah (laughs) as the Italians say, who knows? It's like, you know, half of our business is like, nothing's ever going to get done again. And the other half is acting like there's no pandemic. So, you you know, it's like, okay, uh, we're all just doing what we're doing. Um, I mean, honestly, somebody was reposting deadline articles this week. They kept coming across my field field about shows getting sold. And I'm like, who's selling shows right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, whole other topic. So, um, in addition to kind of, you know, working on writing and vision someday when this thing's past us, um, I'm going to start, I'm going to start the next book in the series. Um, it's going to yes. take place in Bologna. Um, Bologna. It's gonna, yeah. Bologna. Yeah. See, like, um, it's, yeah, this one was a beach vacation. The Bologna one's going to take place in the rainy season for for reasons um that i explained in the first in the beginning so that's i want to get the new one out in the first half of the year is my goal oh excellent like i'm actually excited for that Uh, oh man like i i want a shelf of just tess rafferty books and like i want hardcovers now like there's some i'm gonna have to like get a way to get a hardcover so I can I can have like a row of Tess Rafferty behind <laughs> me because like it's it's really it's really a fantastic book but uh I'll write a part for you in the next one yeah then we <laughs> option <laughs> for Netflix seriously my creative process is like I'll just put Otto in the next one and sweet yeah. <laughs> Otto it means eight in Italian there you go boom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was absolutely freaking awesome. Um, I'm so delighted. I'm so delighted that you came on. You're awesome. Um, it was I fun just, for me. It was what I needed today. It yeah, really was. Especially after the shit show that's going on outside in all different ways. It was such a great thing to do. But um, let me ask you in the glasses, who are you? I'm Kwaku, and who are you? I'm Otto, and this is Radio Zamunda, the... Shit. And <laughs> are we graced with but the incredible Tess Rafferty? Thank you so much, dude. Thank you.
Thank you very much, you guys. Volare. Oh, cantare. Oh, oh, oh. let's fly. Righty then. Um, mm. So, how'd, how'd we do on that one, man? You never disappoint. Oh, man. You don't. You just don't. You, yeah. you know. I hesitate to go too deep into it because then it's like, then it's like, I'm jinxing us. Like, Oh, we're waiting for the, we're waiting for the dud, but <laughs> this wasn't it. Yeah. Um, the, I, there was a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One, typically I think you and I will pick people that we've known for a while, right. for years that we know well, and we're just like, right. we, and we, we know all these things about them. We're like, we can't wait for you to meet them. Yeah. You know, when I say you, it's like you, but you know, anybody's sure. listening. Yeah. And every once in a while, because I've done it too. Like I did it with Leo Coltrane. Um, mm-hmm. and I did it with uh, the singer from Bad Rabbits, where it's like they're people that I know of, but I don't yeah, know yeah. them well. Dodie, that's and, classic. You know what I mean? Dodie. I mean, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, I hope this lands. Yeah. Like I know that they have this dopeness about them, but you can be dope, but still this wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't that conversation. Yeah. Tess is great. And, um, you know, and she's also, I mean, she's got such a great voice and she's such a great advocate for not just women, but, you know, people of color too. Yes. She's like, she's definitely an ally. She's definitely, you know, not a, a virtue signal or she's you know, definitely down for the cause and doing uh, the work, doing the work. And um, the thing that we forgot to, and I'm just going to do this really quickly because I did her um, movie podcast, which is my favorite shitty movie which she does on Wednesdays. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, she invites a guest who picks a movie and her um, cohort of um, hosts watch the movie and they are deep, deep movie nerds. And it's just her with a glass of wine with these two people and I did one and I did Big Trouble in Little China. And Big okay. Trouble in Little China is not a shitty movie, but it's a, a movie that's supposed to kind of be shitty in a way but in a brilliant way um and it was just so fun so i'm saying this because i i already knew that she is good you know on the mic and all that stuff so i kind of cheated in that way not knowing her only on twitter but like having experienced her before she's just sort of a brilliant funny and you gotta get that book bro that book i know i know i so okay i i I need to get it today because i still haven't gotten it yeah under the Tuscan gun, um, just like she said, you know, uh, we're going through a lot of shit. We just had an insurrection happen <laughs> in the Capitol. We're, we're now wondering if we're even going to convict the president who incited a riot that had people come into the Capitol and take a shit in, in Nancy Pelosi's, like, chair. Like, why are we even debating this shit, bro? Like, you know? Holy shit. To, and to, to make it full circle, what you've just described sounds like a shitty movie. Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't pay to see that. I'm not even yeah. sure if I would just stay on the channel. If it just right. popped up, I'd be like, nah, this is just too ridiculous. I can't do this. Right. Um, but yeah, we oh, we so we so need things in life that bring us a little bit of joy. Yeah. Um, with the madness and the low grade um anxiety yeah. that we're all running on. Yeah. I love that low-grade anxiety. Yes, you, 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 you're a poet, Faku. Do you write songs? 
pick that up here and there, you know? I have a friend who's really dramatic, you. And so I need to make sure I come yeah. with the realness. <laughs> like uh, make a podcast about it, maybe. I don't that know. That would be great. That'd be cool. Yeah. Just separate conversation. We'll we'll yeah. get we'll get we'll there get you there. Go. There you go. <laughs> um yeah. First of all, the description of the book sounds amazing. Yeah. Um the combin what I really loved was her combining her passions mm -hmm. with um with her escapism oh yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. you know um yeah. and and like the travel seemed a little bit of both but then being able to manifest it in a way where she can share it out with yeah. us mm -hmm. during this time mm -hmm. that's huge yeah yeah and i love how she got to it you know her her husband is a little bit um as she described a little bit reluctant not, I don't know if it was travel, but maybe he's not as much of a risk taker. Set in his ways a little. Set in his ways, perhaps. Yeah. And he became like the sort of like, oh, we got to do this every year. Um, right. And then, um, you know, I, I, again, I have to bring up one of my favorite um, uh, people that we've brought on so far in, in recently, because everybody I love. But uh, I was going to say, they're all favorites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but your boy, Luca Perry. Uh, yeah. Luca Perry. <laughs> I, I've made him French and Australian and Greek. At the um, same time, and Greek. Yeah, at the same time, Luca Perry, um, who, you know, got into traveling and got into the deepness of the culture. Like, she doesn't feel like a tourist anymore. Maybe the first time she went back to Italy, she it was more of a right. tourist. But then she's going to the sort of the deep cuts of Italy and learning my favorite part of that book was not my favorite part of the book, but one of the wonderful parts of that book was, you know, the, her, her deep sort of like cuts of the wine. I just know Montepulciano mm -hmm. and, and Suave Bole or something like that, that those are right. the things I can say, but she's going into like the deep cuts and you go, Oh, this person actually knows this stuff and she's sharing it with us. And it's uh, again, delightful, just delightful. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I think that once again, speaks to the passion and like her escapism, but also tying it. And I haven't read the book, yeah. but to the, the traditional trope of a murder mystery. Yeah, yeah, so good. And, and so a paperback, and a paperback, you know, which is, you know, I mean, you just, I mean, I just picture someone sitting there, uh, maybe in a tub, drinking wine, reading this book, and just blocking out the craziness that is 2020, 2021. That's exactly how actually you should read it. I mean, I sat my, chair and read it but like next time when i read it again i'm getting in the bathtub lighting some candles yeah and uh that's the best way glass of wine big sort of goblet of wine and just yeah do it right yeah, yeah. and then so there's the 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 uh the dichotomy of the juxtaposition of the 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 video piece um after trump mm -hmm. yeah. with this mm -hmm. you know the and the idea of being able to um speak to the rage that some of us yep and I'm, I'm gonna say some of us because i don't know where all of us landed in 2016 right. who might be listening i feel like we might have a, a specific audience but i don't want to leave anybody out but that rage <laughs> that, that or the disbelief or just being able to um just being able to provide a voice for yeah. that and so someone who has that range and, you know, I, granted, she's in the business, she's a writer. Um, she's, you know, she's had this depth of experience with acting as well. And then being able to marry that with, with something as, as, uh, as, as beautiful as like taking these snapshots of Europe. Mm -hmm. and, 
you know, yeah, it's just, I think it's, you know, I feel typically people have like, um, you know, like if we're going to go back to the book range, people have like these, these specialties, you know what I mean? Then that's what they do. Mm-hmm. I work on action films or I write metal music, you know, yeah. and it's rare that you see the people who have that range in that yeah. way. Yeah. To that range. Create joy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I said range. I wasn't even realizing it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I think that's amazing. Well, shit, that was awesome. Uh, thank you one more time, Tess Rafferty. Thanks for yes. showing up big ups. Uh, get the book uh, Under the Tuscan Gun on Amazon. You can order it directly. It comes yep. right to the door and just sit down, open it, get your glass of wine, a nice Italian, and just read it through and laugh and let a little bit of this shit, you know, melt away for the 10 hours that it takes you to read it. So, yeah. Yeah. And one more thing, I would say follow her on Twitter. She's Ooh, a great yeah. follow. Yep. And this is how this is how conscientious she is. After we recorded, because we're doing this a little bit afterwards, she messaged me. She's just like, hey, I want to listen to some of your music. Send me your info. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's not that every guest is obligated to do that. You know what I mean? Like I know I joked with about Baratunde, like I really want him to be my friend. <laughs> you know, but I don't have that expectation of everybody doing that. Hashtag um, analog transit. I you know, know Kwaku's not going to mention it, but <laughs> hashtag analog transit, because he's going to be like, no, I don't know if I should say it out loud. I don't hashtag analog transit. We'll figure out how to get you some of that music. It's probably on Bandcamp. It's probably on uh, Spotify. It's probably on a lot of stuff. So, yeah. Sorry. OK, so now that now that I'm thoroughly blushing as a black person, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to make and it. Kwaku can again. sing, man. Kwaku can sing. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Who am I, Zabe? Yes, yes, you are Zabe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say follow her on Twitter and then also check out her podcast, My Favorite Shitty Movie. Now I'm just going to blatantly say, like, put me on there. I've, I like lots of shitty movies and I want to yes. do this with, with yes. her as well. Yeah. So, it, it's, and it's, it, she always does it live stream. I think it's on, I want to say eight o'clock on uh, Wednesday night. But like, yeah, we'll, I'll put it in the, in the thing. The thing. So, I'll, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I guess that's you? it. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Me. I'm I'm Kwaku. And who are you? I'm Atu, and this is Radio Zimbunda the Dope. Shit. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. All right. <laughs>